Hello, welcome back to the Brace Yourselves podcast. I'm fighting desperately to be anything but deflated right now. Go on, you can serve up more energy than that, man. I know what's just happened. It's harsh. You've got to put it out of your mind. Come on, energize it. Ruined my birthday weekend. Thank you very much, Man United, you bastards. I'm so deflated, I'm actually, I don't think Ian's realised, but it's the first time sitting across from him on this Zoom call without wearing the United shirt. And I tweeted oh, out, sure. I just tweeted out at the end of that game, that is it. I'm 100% Ollie out. I am, I'm now 100% Ollie out. That's where yeah, I'm at. You're, you're in your comfort hoodie. Hopefully, got some bottoms on. I never know with you. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> what you don't Gotta see doesn't hurt somehow. you. What you, see, what you don't see doesn't hurt you. So, it, so it's true. been an interesting week of football, a painful week of football again for myself, a horrific start to the season for Manchester United. Spurs moved up into second and then Leicester just Top bumped above you, <laughs> unluckily. But there's, there's lots of stuff to talk about. I won't start with the Champions League recap, mainly because it's just too painful and fresh right now. So we will pick up with the Premier League. Lots and lots of talking points. Yeah, Who'd have thought absolutely. that Saints and Villa I was would have been say, the game of the weekend? Game of the goddamn weekend. Where did that come from? Even, I know. Oh, the free kicks, the play. Oh, it was just all, all out great football. Um, I think Villa, again, were unlucky, but Southampton were the better side on the day, I think. They just kept coming and coming, and it's just good to see, man. I think Southampton just took their chances. It's yeah. as simple as that, right? They, they didn't create as much as Villa in terms of uh, pressing and uh, motivation, but what they did is, you know, you can't let, as many teams have known, United have felt the wand of a right foot that James Ward-Prowse has. The man may not be an exceptional footballer in other areas, but the man can take a free kick. And my God, not only he for him to score one, but to score two, and then to allow him to... You, know, you can't bring a man down on the edge of the box like that. That's so dangerous it's, when you've got yeah, a, a free kick take uh, as clinical as him. It, it, that's crazy for me. What I will say about James Ward-Prowse is, you know, what a way to celebrate your birthday. Obviously, he scored a birthday brace. Now, l listeners know, unfortunately, the... The uh, Brace Showcase isn't on James Ward-Prowse just because it was just a logistical nightmare for me. <laughs> I, I looked at his career and I was like, this is going to be a very short Brace Showcase because of the position he plays. Uh, I'm sure. sure there will come a time where we, we look at midfielders, and we already have looked at uh, midfielder in Hamas Rodriguez and stuff, but he's a bit more of a traditional, scores predominantly from uh, set pieces, doesn't score from open play. But um, what a crazy game. There's some great goals as well. Danny Ings' goal is outrageous. Yeah. And then Jack Grealish's was just the cheekiest little thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, Grealish is on another level right now. Like, he is really buoyed up by the action at Villa. And, like, hopefully he's going to continue that on because he's looking really good. Look, he's Captain Fantastic at the end of the day, right? That, that, that's, <laughs> he is that's well the way, um That's the way you, you've, you've got to view it. And I think probably... This is the make or break season for him because there was lots of connections to United in the summer because Villa didn't go yeah. down. Villa wanted um, £75 million pounds for him. And he's probably happy he didn't come to United with the state of how things are going. However, yeah, Better season at Villa. However, he probably is thinking, 
next year this this coming summer i need sure. my move so he's he's on it he's motivated he's hungry he wants to to play create score goals and and he has been doing that and really you know we're looking we're sitting here november 4th so october has come and gone and player of the month is on the horizon and there's there's only yeah. three names in that hat for me human son harry kane mm-hmm. and jack grealish because yeah. grealish has had what uh, two goals and three assists. I uh, know four assists. And yeah, Kane's, had, Kane's had like uh, three assists, uh, four goals. Sons had four goals, three assists. Crazy, really, really crazy. It's going to be tight, you know. But uh, you know they might give it to. Um, it, it might come down to wins and stuff. So probably the Spurs players will wedge it. But you know we'll we'll see. But yeah, what Indeed. a mental what a mental game it was. I, I was absolutely stunned and. Of the games that weekend, if you or at least on that Super Sunday, if if you had to pick one, you didn't think that was going to be the one. Whether, whether you weren't goal. tuning in for that, no. Yeah, You're looking at the the Arsenal game, the Man United game, oh, you know, please. whatever. Just but, don't. yeah, no, I'm sorry. We, we'll get on to that in a second. But yeah, what a, what a game! I mean, it's great to see. It's I I I'm just kind of expect Villa just to keep going from this point. I don't think this loss is going to set them back. I think this is just another kick in the ass to keep mm. them going. So I think they're definitely going to be a team to watch this season. I mean, well, they're sitting about like eighth, ninth place right now. So a bit of work to do. The table. <laughs> Sorry, this is going to be a, a fairly depressing episode. <laughs> Anytime there's something like positive, you're just going to come in like, oh, if only. Yeah, where are you guys sitting anyway? You're like, yeah, 16. Oh, wait. 16th. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about the United situation, Oli, uh, when we get to that game. Um, Wolves, speaking of teams that are turning their fortunes yeah. around, Wolves are, you know, I've put part of the Wolves back. Sorry, listeners, for the awful puns. but they Honestly, keep... listeners, you need to see the notes that I get through for these. <laughs> the puns are outrageous, and it's what I'm here for. It's the only reason well, I'm doing this thing. What what can I say? It's 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 the only thing that's keeping me sane right now. We're going into <laughs> lockdown, the most depressing you know circumstance of our entire lives, probably in terms of just yeah. general depression across the nation. And I've got to go into it off the back of those two <laughs> United losses. So I will pun the shit out of it and to give me some bloody respite. <laughs> otherwise, I'm going to blow my bloody brains out. So Wolves, Wolves finally looked like the side that we saw last yeah. season. Now, yes, Palace weren't really at the races, in my opinion, but it doesn't matter. They were playing this beautiful, free-flowing, Portuguese-inspired, counter-attacking football, attacking <laughs> football. It was absolutely lovely to watch. And both their goals were class. Yeah, yeah. Jimenez showed a little bit of that. I've been scoring goals for a while on the first goal. I did watch it in the replay. I was sort of eating so I was watching the replay, and I was just like, yeah, Jimenez, I, yeah. you're pissed <laughs> off they didn't pass the ball yeah. to you. <laughs> You're pissed off. But it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, he's 29. He's probably not going to make a move in his career. So he just needs to, you know, be happy that anyone scored. And that is it Al Nori who scored? What a, what yeah, a, what Nori. A he's looking goal. really good. What a, what a debut. debut goal. Yeah, really good goal. Although he did show some of that inexperience in the Premier League because Palace definitely should have had a penalty and he was 100%. definitely responsible for it. <laughs> He got away there. I don't know how he got away with it, but he got away with it. So oh, look, it's Bless. they looked good. Palace looked just like the inconsistent side that they always look like. Really, yeah. One week they're doing amazing. Next week they're just all over the place. Like just need consistent shifts from Palace. Like always hopeful for them, but it's just not looking good. Not looking great for them right now. 
I think Zaha is always a danger man, right? But for sure, you know, you can't rely on one man though, can you? You can't just put all the backs on him. Their attack looks great, but Palace's defence looks shakier than it. I think it looked much better last season than it does this season. But again, post-pandemic, mid-pandemic times, we you know we don't know what it's going to go like. We don't. We, football could be anything this season. It's absolutely yeah. mental, and it has been mental so far. But, and then to oh, top it all off, Milovic's challenge was just... That's dreful challenge, that was. Unfounded. Like, there's no oh, need... I get it, dying minutes, but... Just frustrated. I think he just timed yeah. it wrong, personally. I don't... I Listen, obviously, it is a horrendous challenge, and it could have broken the guy's ankle. I know that, but... Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't see any real malice in it. I just see frustration... Uh, desperation and uh, unfortunate timing. But yeah, rightfully so, a red card. No, I don't see anyone calling that one into question. Everyone's pretty much like, yeah, that's definitely a red. Indeed. But again, it still went to VAR, didn't it? It wasn't an on-field decision. All, all decisions have to go to VAR. All, all, all... Yeah, but, but you would make that on-field decision, but it didn't even seem like it was an on-field for that one. Well, nowadays, referees don't need to even look at the play, right? Because that's the VAR agenda at the moment. Yeah, that seems to be the way it's going. Referees can't have eyes in the back of their head. You know, if the, if, if the referee's facing the other way, what do you expect him to do? That's what VAR is there for. It's supposed to be the safety net. And as sure. long as it's used appropriately, then, you know, but it's not. That's that's the real issue people <laughs> yeah. have with it, right? But we, we've done the VAR debate before. I'm not going to get into it again. Sorry, was that a Jedi mind trick you just threw? Yes. Uh... <laughs> These are not VAR complaints that I'm looking for, so stop them. In terms of... The rest of the weekend, I think, bar the Arsenal result, it played out... Oh, well, it, and the Everton result, it played out pretty much as we expected. But we can talk about walking the line or walkering the line, a Pep Guardiola tale. <laughs> um, a very boring game, again. City yeah, have been, nothing happening. City have gone the other way. In past years, they've been so boring because they're like Barcelona. I think someone used a great analogy once, which was, you know, you could... Be watching the game, see Man City start an attack, go to the toilet, come back, and they'd still be doing the same attack, you know, and, you, and the goal wouldn't have gone in yet. And they were accused of being boring because of that, because of this whole yeah. Tiki Barcelona style thing, which, you know, unless you're a fan of the club, can get very boring objectively as a neutral. They've gone the other way now, and they just seem to be struggling to score. That's the real issue that they have. Yeah, it's just like the amount of opportunities they're making is incredible, but they're just not doing anything with them. And then there's this a feeling of one-man team Sterling who just charges into the box every five seconds. And again, he's just not doing anything with it. It's bizarre. Across goal plays that aren't even mm. being put in, they're just tap-ins and they're not getting on the end of them. And I don't know why that is. And then obviously, you know, up steps your right back to bang it in the bottom corner. Explain. I, I know. I mean, well, that's sort of like the poetic justice of football, isn't it? In a way, because of obviously, Carl Walker is a Sheffield United fan, it's player, his, loves the yeah. club, and you can tell because even though he's been away from the club for a very long time, he scored against him and he refused to celebrate. Mm. So, you know, obviously, it's something that's near and dear to his heart. What a rocket it was! We we know Carl Walker's got him in him. We've seen him. I remember he scored one of those against Arsenal once when he played for Tottenham, and it was an outrageous strike from about twenty five yards out. He looked obviously as a player de declines. You still see flashes of their, their yeah. brilliance, and you know I think we saw flashes of Carl Walker's br brilliance in the Man City game. He looked Definitely. so dangerous going forward. Uh, I think all the cogs are there, but I think City are missing one 
Cog in particular, which is they don't have a striker. Yeah. There isn't a striker who's fit. There isn't a striker who's clinical. Gabriel Jesus is clearly not working out, you know, as, as Guardiola wanted, I assume. And then Aguero's just so flipping probably injured. I think they have to buy an out-and-out striker. And yeah. I can't believe, with the money at their disposal, that they're not looking at Harry Kane or someone like that. Someone who's Premier League proven, who scores goals that, yes, you might not want it to happen. No, I wasn't going to say. I just I didn't want Lukaku to leave United, but he did leave. That's just what happens. But, I mean, on the flip side, I wouldn't be surprised if Man City go and pick up Delhi instead and take Dali Ali over. Oh, God, I don't know. Well, there, was, he, he, there was talks about Dele Alli being available on deadline day and no one yeah, really seemed to want him. So, look, watch the All or Nothing documentary, Ian. He's got a terrible training worth ethic. He's awful. It, that's clearly why he's not in the squad right he's now. Like, so he's so lazy weird. in training. It's, he's so capricious and unreliable and inconsistent. He just He's a liability, and I understand why yeah. Mourinho's dropped him out of the team, but... Speaking of Mourinho, shall we talk about um, bailed out Spurs limp on? Oh, look, he was waiting for that one. It's not li- you say limp on. We're sitting in third. Like, calm down. Yeah, no, no, you, no. What I mean <laughs> is that you're you're grinding out results. We are definitely grinding. Like, it's it's not easy wins. I mean, the Brighton game in itself, again on paper, should be evenly sided. We should outweigh them, but again, it's down to the wire. It's pulling a goal out of your ass, as you say, getting bailed out. I think we still look good, but we're not at that level we need to be. You need to be firing on all cylinders at the moment. I think you're like half cylinders. I think there's definitely potential there, 100%. And it's, it's not a criticism of your ability or conviction or quality as a team. The, the, the fight isn't there in some of your players towards the end. That's the problem. And I think, unfortunately, Mourinho is known historically for his stable defensive units right and that's why you know United when he took us to second was so hard to break down because he got the defense just so right yeah even Ashley Young was pocketing Mohamed Salah when he played us and stuff and that that's that's the level of defensive ability that Mourinho can pump into uh you know a defensive line yeah he struggled to do that in recent years and I think it's because the Premier League's so open and a lot of defenders are, are rushing forward and playing this high attacking press and line play. But really, you leave yourself vulnerable at the back. What I do see a lot is Spurs welcoming teams to attack them, which I, you know, mm. I don't think they're used to doing because I think Spurs are so used to um, constantly contesting it, especially under Pochettino, right? So to go away from that and go to Mourinho, sort of like, no, soak up the pressure and break. I think, yeah. I think some of your defenders are struggling to adapt. And I think it's highlighted that, you know, Aurier's probably not good enough to play right back. No, but uh, this is what I was going to say. Like, I don't think, as much as we want that strength at the back, I don't think we have it in the players that we have currently. Yeah. I think some more depth is needed for Mourinho to pull off what he's looking to do. Mm. Um, and I think maybe this way that he's focusing it, you know, has removed the fight slightly because we are welcoming rather than Pochettino's like, you need to go forward, you need to push, you need to keep going. I don't think there's that incentive in the team anymore it's like you know as you're saying soak it up and then push it back out but we're not going forwards with that energy once we've soaked and i think it's very very risky for us to be soaking because we're not historically that team that can soak the pressure we're more just battle it out and grind it as we're doing Mm. 
and you know keep it going up the field and like Pochettino made us that unit that moved as one whereas uh, I think as I've said before Mourinho does like his individuals and he does like this idea of soaking and then breaking and as we've said about Bale multiple times that's the reason he was bought in from loan and like that's what he's going to play he's going to come on last 20 minutes and make a difference that's what Mourinho is hoping for you're not going to see him play a full game mm. Um, I, think, I think there was a lot of contentious issues in the game, right, as well, because I was watching just earlier today after I woke up from my, after a night shift, so I woke up at like five, and I was like, oh, United are playing in an hour, which I could go back in time, but I also saw Mourinho's post-match for the Brighton thing where um, he lost it about Harry Kane, have you seen it? No, I haven't. So reporters were basically coming at Harry Kane saying that he made a meal of it when Lalana went up and it definitely wasn't a foul. But for me, that was a foul. Yeah. If, if that, the problem with the objectivity and subjectivity of, of fouling in the game, right, is if that is a foul in the middle of the park, then for me, it's a foul in the box. You can't have one rule for one area, one rule for another. Lalana overcooked it, didn't want to allow Harry Kane to have the space to collect the ball and shoot. I completely understand that. But it's a penalty. And look, Ian, you were like last week, you were like, oh, Fabinho's definitely wasn't on the line, but I'm sure you're happy to say that Harry Kane's was on the line for a oh, penalty. Oh, man. Anytime I say something, it fucking comes back and bites me in the ass. Listen, football's like, a fickle game. Yeah. Look, football's <laughs> a fickle game. I was like, oh, after we beat Leipzig, I was like, we're going to win the league. And now I'm yeah. like, we're getting relegated. <laughs> you know, we have highs and lows of football when everything comes round. Yeah, and there's this, there's this beautiful poetic justice to football and, and the sport but you know it, it's a penalty and, and rightfully so I don't, I don't understand the contention in what people are saying about how yeah. Kane makes the most of it Mourinho clearly rates Harry Kane that's the most important thing he like really yeah, rates him because Kane you know puts everything on the pitch whether you rate him or not and I have a lot of friends that criminally in my opinion underrate Harry Kane because I think mm. he is world class I think he can do it all I think he can set him up he can score him yeah. he can hold it up he can dictate the play I think he's absolutely fantastic and I think if people can't see the value that he brings to a team even when he's not scoring well, frankly I think you're a fucking idiot no offence you know there is always nepotism when it comes sure. to football and management and you know we'll talk about that when we get to Ollie. and there's sometimes nepotism is good and sometimes it's bad right because at the end of the day Kane is worth favoring because Kane will deliver he's proven that he's shown mm. that on the pitch and he does and, and yeah he's on goal 149 Ian he's only one away it. I was it watching was, it and I was, was thinking I, I was thinking hmm <laughs> is he gonna get it this game is no, he gonna it wasn't it? it wasn't this game he's this close oh. he needs what what does he need I think he needs two goals and he'll be the seventh top goal scorer in the Premier League or something like that or the eighth um, it's impressive it's mad it's mad stats I know I know it's crazy and I think on his XG you know like his predicted goals yeah. and assists throughout the season I think someone was saying that if Kane was to keep performing at the level he's performing now he's predicted to get something like 31 goals and like 50 assists because <laughs> Obviously, that's not going to happen. But hey, don't don't cut it out on, yet. Come on. Yeah, well, look, Kane's not getting fifty assists at striker. It's just not happening. <laughs> if he did, that'd just be that would be crazy. Defensive. That would be absolute carnage. But I think you can't be too positive about the Brighton result because they played a weakened side and you struggle sure. against them. Now, yeah. listen, anyone who's listening out there that's a top six club manager, and I know you fucking listen to this little niche podcast by Tarek Lamptey. He is 
He's quality. Good. He's, he's so good. Quality. He's so bloody good. In a couple of years, he'll be the best English right back. Not only the best English right back, he'll probably be the best right back in the league. He can, sure. he can defend, he can attack, he can score. Now, yes, Ian, I do feel some sympathy for you because that goal should not have stood because Scheuberg was definitely fouled in the build-up yeah, to it quite sure. badly. Again, that's the problem with VAR, right? Yeah, it's, it is what it is. And, and like we say, that's just part of football. You know, I'm there screaming at the TV and it's happened. There's nothing I can do. I can't go back. And so you just accept it and then you just hope that your team's going to bring it back. So. Do, you, do you think there's like a balancing act in football? You know, sometimes when maybe a team would give away a dodgy penalty and then uh, and the ref would give a dodgy penalty to a team that maybe didn't deserve it yeah. or it definitely wasn't a penalty. And then they go in at half time and the, the, all the refs would get together and they go, yeah, by the way, that definitely wasn't a pen. You've made a bad decision. Do, I sometimes, and maybe this is the cynic in me, would think referees then choose to try and balance uh, it out. Do you yeah, know what I, I mean? Yeah, there's definitely, I would definitely agree there's been games I've watched where it's felt like that. Yeah. But you just know that a bad decision's been going. But is that the fans pressuring the ref? Is that the, you know, the commentators making it something that it isn't? Um, but I don't, I, don't, I don't think there's an out-and-out out need to balance the games because then we're just getting into game fixing and all that kind of stuff. But I don't, yeah. No, I, I, don't, th I don't think it's... No, I don't, no, but, I, I don't think it's game fixing. What I mean is that I think sometimes when a referee makes a, a decision that's so egregious, they go, well, if, if, if the opportunity arises for me to balance yeah. out the sort of karmic justice of football, then I can and will. For sure. But I don't really know how that reflects on a ref because like, he's trying to look for that opportunity and then like, that's just another bad decision. And that's two bad decisions in games. So surely for a ref, you want to make the least amount of bad decisions. Yeah, well, but this is why I think I, I remember a particular decision, uh, a particular game, which was West Ham, Man City at the start of last season. And it was when VAR was first introduced. And I think Raheem Sterling was called offside for, for a goal and the goal was disallowed. However, on the second goal, where he was clearly offside, they gave it because the first decision was incorrect and he was actually onside. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? So no, I definitely agree that you definitely witnessed those moments of balancing, but I just don't know how much of that is pre-thought or like no no I, I don't think it's premeditated i think it's sort of in the moment when the, when they yeah. analyze it and they see it from another angle yeah you go into your halftime you know uh break and the rest probably see replays of some of those contentious decisions and they go oh i got it wrong or var got it wrong yeah you know and it's and it, that's just highlighted when they get these um uh, former referees or uh not different league referees that come in to talk about decisions that var are making in the game and they're like well i wouldn't have awarded it and it's like well, hang on, doesn't this just highlight what's the problem with VAR? There's no unilateral laws in For football. Sure. And, you know, all these different referees are interpreting them however they want. Like, f oh, for me, it's a red. Well, for me, it's not. Well, great. Well, ha fuck off. Why don't we just <laughs> draw a line in the sand? This is a red, this is not. And then there's no room for yeah. interpretation. But then that's what they try and do. They try and so tightly wound up that handball rule that it just blew up in their face. Like it, I think it is, there is this weird, tricky balancing act, I think. Mm. Well, did you hear that, listeners? Ian's so so happy about the... Um, oh, come on! So happy about the Tottenham result. He's playing fireworks in the background. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, I've got to keep it cheery. You've got to keep it happy. That's one win in ages. Like, come on! God, I... <laughs> I couldn't resist. Sorry. Um, 
Boy, he's coming for me now. And then, well, look, I have to come for everyone right now because I'm on the fucking yeah. offensive. <laughs> uh, Bale finally scored. Good goal. Good goal. Probably Good goal. finish. Kind of Good finish. Don't think it deserved the celebration he gave it, but like he but scored the But how long has it been goal. since he scored? <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, did you hear the, the... He said Vamos when he scored. He screamed it. And it was sort of oh, like just, uh, can we not? another can dig we in Madrid. Not? And it's like, man, this guy's out here trolling left, right, and center. Every day, he's out here grinding, trolling, flicking Zidane off. Like, yeah. he's, he's got some it's, bitter resentment. But it's look, hilarious. it's not like a, a player who's past it that's trying to prove a point. Obviously, he's self-aware of his abilities and what he can offer. And he's just been undervalued. And, you know, what... Mm another man's uh, trash is another man's treasure or whatever. You know, you, you guys sure. get the treasure of Bale and Zidane might always think he's trash, but if he'd actually cleaned him up a, bit, a little bit, he'd probably see his solid goal under there. Let's see. Maybe that's the, you know, the catalyst for Bale's mass resurgence in the Premier League. Indeed. I do, I do think there were some good performances on the pitch. And I think Regulon still looks like he's got a lot to give to the team. and he looked Great good. going forward. Really good going forward. Very good going forward. It's just, again, yeah, defensive qualities. But like we've been saying, that's something lacking in the Premiership all round. Definitely. That ability to defend. Um, so, yeah. I was just looking at these lists of all these teams that have won and it depressed me. Um, right. You definitely need to keep that big drop of silence in there where you just, I just watch the life leave you. <laughs> like, oh, so I got to talk about other people's victories. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's, it's awful. Right. Let's, let's speak about Champions Grit. I was going to call it you, you ought to do this, but. Oh, he was, he was trying. I, I didn't. I didn't. I, I did resist, but. Let's start off by saying what a signing Diego Yotta has been for Liverpool. Without him, I, I bet if you took his goals away, I reckon you'd be about fifth. Because mm. he's, he came on, he scored, and he scored and had one disallowed against West Ham, and then he scored the winner as well. He also scored a hat-trick last night in the Premier League. Uh, he scored in the Champions League before... Uh, not in the Premier League. He scored a hat-trick last night in the Champions League. Last week, he scored again in the Champions League, and he came on and scored the winner for you at the start of the season. I can't remember against who, but in absolutely incredible scenes. Yeah, and at the nice. moment, Liverpool are showing that grit and determination, which is we are champions and we will continue to march Indeed. on. I, I, do, I do love his attitude of, oh, you're going to take my goal away from me. I'll just prove that I can do this again and mm. again and again. Like, that's all I want to do is score goals. You can take as many away from me as you want. I'm just going to continue scoring them. And, yeah, the way he accepted that his goal was disallowed was like, no, I'll just come back and score in a minute, which is great to see. Like, so many other players would be deflated, there'd be anger, whatever. His is like, no, nah, okay, cool. Let's, let's sort this out. Let's come back and stronger. But I think West Ham put in a solid performance. Look, West Ham, they, they again. Tried. They did having, everything. Having a good season. Just yeah, very unlucky. Liverpool switched off initially and showed some of that defensive frailties. And listen, Liverpool fans, and in particular, this is a shout-out for my friend who just messaged me after the Man United loss, but to show how good of a friend they are. I haven't heard from you in ages, Ben, and all of a sudden I hear from you when United lose. Uh, this is your shout-out. I love you, bro. Much love. But if you're one of those deluded Liverpool fans that think Joe Gomez is a good defender, you are fucking lying to yourself. 
He is not a good defender. He's overrated. Yeah, he has the, he's got the same effect that Daniel Sturridge had when Luis Suarez was up top with him. Sturridge looked great because Suarez was really good. But in, rea- in reality, Suarez was the fucking king. And, you know, he was the prince. Dan Sturridge was the prince. But everyone knows the king's better than the prince. And the same goes for Gomez and Van Dijk. Gomez's header sure. is what cost you there. cost you a goal. His defensive frailties, his inability to defend properly, clear the ball. What was he thinking? Oh, let me just pass that back to Fornals. Good finish. Nothing really the Liverpool defensive line can do about it. I'm not going to be overly critical about it. But Gomez is at fault for the goal. Uh, the goal. Uh, just like Yerry Mina... <laughs> was at fault when Salah scored in the derby. You know, defenders have to clear their lines. And trust me, I know that better than most right now, but Gomez is a liability. I actually think Fabinho looks better at centre-back and he plays CDM than Gomez. You know, Phillips had a great uh, first debut, but again, you've got City next week. I would like to see how that defensive line cope with that much pressure. Yeah, for sure. Let's let's see how uh, City take it to them. It's but, like we were saying earlier, City aren't looking to finish. They're just looking to yeah. get them into attacking positions. So. Listen, City are not on great form. Liverpool no. are not on great form. Everything, uh, well, no, Liverpool are on great form. Everything says Liverpool win. But draw, the way this season's draw, going? Draw, yeah. draw, in my opinion. Exactly. Objectively draw. You know, probably 1-1, one, one, maybe nil-nil. Uh, a special caveat here as well for Mo Salah, or honourable mention for Mo Salah. Listen... If you want to make a meal of it, just go buy a meal deal from Tesco's. Jesus Christ, mate. Yes, it was a penalty. Yes, he made a mistake. Did you have to throw yourself to the floor like you've been taken yeah, out? Like, like, absolutely outrageous, Salah. You're a dirty bastard. Come like, on, the, this, this, this weekend was peppered with them. Um... Honestly, I just like, what are you doing? Like, you're just like, Aah! I was like, Salah, come on, just go down. It's a penalty. VAR are going to re- uh, review it. He's made contact with you. It 100% You don't have to like go for the Emmy, go for the Oscar. Like, I cried on the floor. Like, ah, it just it rattled me. I was just like, oh, yeah. just get up. Yeah, and Mane <laughs> does it as well. That's the thing. You just like not in that game, but in general, both those two yeah. Liverpool forwards throw themselves to the floor like they've been absolutely punched by Deontay Wilder. Yeah, well, it's again, it's that fine line, isn't it? If you just go down, you're probably not going to be given it because it doesn't look like that intentional. And then if you make a meal of it, you just get criticised for that. But you need to show to the ref, isn't it? It's almost pantomime. No, I, I completely agree. I, I, I think, you know, if you stay on your feet, it's unrewarding. So I, I have no yeah. fault in you going to get down. But you don't have to go for the Emmy. You don't have to go for the Oscar with it, do you? You just have to listen. There's clear contact. I've gone down. Ow, it hurt. Not like... Aah! Yeah, well... <laughs> You know he's not I'll getting. Never a, play again. He isn't getting player of the month, so he was like, "I'll go for a different award instead." I do love that Salah gets so rattled about the fact that he's not winning top goal score. <laughs> I do love it. I love it. <laughs> if you took away his penalties, and look, listen, Liverpool fans, and Ben, you'll come at me and say, well, "Bruno Fernandez only ever scores penalties." So what are you talking about? Yeah, but if you took Salah, Salah's penalties away last season, he was nowhere near top goal scorer. So sure. stick that out your pipe and smoke it. Look, Mate, you're, you're gunning for everyone this evening. <laughs> Liverpool uh, look frustratingly good, solid. Uh, yeah. I imagine I, I had a bet with my partner's father-in-law, mother's boyfriend, whatever the correct terminology may be. He said, listen, let's have a bet who's going to win the Premier League this season. He said, Chelsea, it was 40 quid return. I said, Liverpool. And, you know, 
I expect Liverpool to win the league. They're, they're the only team that can find consistency. And speaking of... And credit where's credit's due. They played well. They deserved the win. Yeah. They ground it out. And they do what champions do. So it, does, it does look like Chelsea are starting to find their footing. I mean... Yeah. Well... I is, it tough, is it a tough game? Is it one that they should be losing or have contention in? Not Listen, Bur- look, they, they did better than you against Burnley. Oh, I mean, yeah, I'm not... But that, 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 that's my point. Burnley are not a good side. And that's what I meant when I said earlier about Spurs limping on. It's like you are... Sure. You're, it's like, you know, when we say, or people say, oh, the human brain is only using 10% of his potential. The Tottenham attacking line is only using... 80% of its potential because there is another 20% to unlock there. Sure, yeah. Chelsea have never had an issue scoring goals. That's never been their issue. It's yeah. only ever been defensively. And again, it wasn't on display this weekend, which is will be the progress they want to see. But attack was already ticked off. It's just about maintaining the defensive line against teams that actually can cause you problems. Yeah. Again, I don't... Burnley, Burnley broke through a couple of times. They never were a massive threat, but you still shouldn't be given these opportunities, really. I think Bur- Burnley play for set pieces. That's the sort of team they are. Oh, yeah, of course. Low block counter, set piece, shithouse three goals. That's just Burnley through and through. And, you know, I kind of respect they, that they have that identity as a team because a lot of teams sure. nowadays don't have a footballing identity. Chelsea look good. They look good. They look solid. Yeah. CH's finish was class. Nick Pope looked uncharacteristically shaky in that which yeah, surprised a little, me a little flustered in places letting a few ways well, letting a couple that i think he could have got to realistically but i think zh is just he i think that he can't see because of the defender in front of him sure. and then zh just hits it early it goes in it's a good finish it i've is, got i've got one to watch zh in fifa so thank you very much i've now got a free upgrade so good performance zh i want you to do well but the rest of chelsea can two one do one now, Chelsea, Chelsea look good. They look solid, dangerous attacking-wise. Werner, is he finally unlocked? I have a feeling Timo Werner is going to be a striker that scores against the small teams loads. Sure. but doesn't score against the big teams very much. I just yeah. got that feeling. Indeed. But, I mean, saying about a footballing identity, Leicester have theirs on full show. Counter-attacking football, long ball over the top, non-stop. This one is worth reading out. Fox is in the Bielsa house. Come on, it's, 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 it has to be written. I'll tell you what, we bigged up Patrick Bamford last week because of the brace showcase. For sure. He was poor. <laughs> he was so he poor. Shot, he had one, one shot, shot and it was, you have to score. You, it's, it's harder to miss. Yeah. He heads it, he's a big man known for his aerial ability and his ability to win a ball with his head and also finish with his head. And he heads it straight at Schmeichel from like three yards out. I was just like, what? Leicester did what they always do. Set up defensively and break. Set up defensively and break. And it worked. Listen. Worked every time. That man, he may have only scored one. And assisted one. So, Jamie, well done. Vardy is always involved in the goals at Leicester. Always. And it's not just what he adds as a goal scorer. He his ability to run off the ball and create space is frightening. And to know when you've got someone who's that versatile, that agile, and that dangerous who's run alongside you, mm. the defensive line doesn't know where to go because it's like, well, if I cover Vardy, Unger's through. But if I cover Unger, Vardy's going to be there because he, his pace and positional awareness is absolutely fantastic. It's yep. 
when they're on form, Leicester are terrifying to play sometimes. And I think such a confidence in front of goal. I'm going to just chipping it over to Vardy, like no troubles, no worries. I don't think we've seen that kind of confidence in a long time from mm. Leicester. Like that paired with their ability to counterattack does make them again dangerous this season. I mean, hopefully they're going to settle into a form and get their consistency up. But again, I think they'll one to watch for sure. Like they're going to be a danger this season. Well, they, they suffer from the same flaws that United suffer, which is they're much better away from home than they are at home. Yeah. Their away form is absolutely fantastic. And I, I, I don't know what it is. Maybe, maybe, you know, we don't understand the mentalities of, of footballers. You might feel tremendous pressure or, you know, you, you, you feel tremendous pressure to do well in your home stadium. But when the pressure's off, you do well. And, you know, some teams, when they're the underdogs, thrive. <laughs> but when they're the favourites, they're complacent or they don't try as much. And I think, you know, that's very similar of, of Manchester United, and we will get on to that because we've been saving it for last. But you know, Brendan Rodgers is a manager. Sorry, Leicester fans. I'm really, really sorry. He is the biggest bottle job. He might as well be Spurs manager. Genuinely. All right, easy. <laughs> Jesus. Look, what? I can't even, mate. I'll just let you have that one. I'm going to let one more slide, and then we're into it. <laughs> no, but listen, he is the biggest bottle job manager that I've ever watched. Mm. The time that Liverpool blew the league, yeah, he's at the reins for that. Right? And ever since, whenever it's come push to come to shove, he's bottled it. Anyone that manages Celtic can probably win the Scottish Premier League. I'm not giving I'm not giving him credits for all those trophies when they've won it like nine years in a row. Sorry. That's like putting a car on cruise control and saying I drove to San Francisco. No, the car drove you there. You just sat behind the wheel on the freeway. Brendan bottled it last season. Yeah. Champions League was on the cards. And guess who still stole it? We did. He was 14 points in front of us, him and his Leicester side, before lockdown. And after that, he finished two points below us and we had to beat him on the last day of the season, which we did. I'm sorry, it's in his DNA. He is inherently, intrinsically a bottle job. So I wouldn't get too carried away with Leicester being second. It's more frightening, objectively, for neutrals or Arsenal fans, rather, that Spurs are third because you're more likely to go on and do bits because Mourinho is a second season wonder. You know, we talk about second al- second album yeah. syndrome and stuff. He's the opposite. He loves the second album. His second album's better than his first album ever was. That's absolutely garbage because once Mourinho settles in and, and reads the room, reads what the team needs, he always prospers in the second season. And I've said time and time again, I would not be surprised if Spurs won a trophy this season. But I, I would put money on Leicester doing nothing this season in terms of winning a trophy or even getting Champions League, because Brendan Rodgers will bottle it. He always does, always has to, always will do. Unless they change manager, then it's a different conversation. For sure. Well, we'll just have to wait and see what they can do. I mean, at the moment, they look like a threat, but we'll see if that continues onwards. We will. So, before we get to United, there is one other team we need to talk about, which is Everton. A team which... 
were at the highest peak of the mountain. They're just talking about bottling it. Here we I go. I know, and slowly rolling down the side. Listen, they, pro- they probably feel how Man United fans feel at the moment, Everton fans, because you've had a taste of glory, the taste of the summit, the peak, whatever it may be. And I don't know. I don't know what's happened. I don't. I genuinely don't. Because they still... Like they'll like Calvert Lewin poaching that goal. Like they're still on it. There's still the form, but they're just not doing anything. There's such a lackadaisical approach, like we saw with Arsenal much earlier on. It's just like they've lost the interest. They've lost that drive to go grab it. I think maybe we're being too kind to Everton in in a sense of. I think maybe the Liverpool result, they know they should have lost and they got lucky. And even though officially they didn't lose, maybe mentally they felt like they lost. And it's Mm -hmm. like a catalytic event of, well, hang on, we're not invulnerable. We thought we were doing really well, but actually we are susceptible to lose. And then all of a sudden it's like a chain reaction of, you know, mentality. We well, we have to bounce back. We have to stay ahead of Liverpool. And because they've never won anything, they they probably can't handle the pressure. That's probably what it is. Now, again, Everton's defensive line is the issue, right? They didn't strengthen defensively. Attacking-wise, they look fine. You know, chances come and go. Sometimes you can't create. Sometimes you can't break down a low low block, whatever. That happens. That happens to every team. As long as you can defend well, the other team starts to feel that same pressure. But if you allow them to, to beat you on a counter and break you... And listen, I know we're doing a break showcase on Callum Wilson today... Both of his goals, one was a penalty and one was a lucky tap-in. Sorry, Callum. I rate you, but they weren't, rate, they, yeah. they, they weren't good goals and they were unavoidable and they were caused by mistakes. One by Yerry Mina and one by Andre Gomez. What was Andre Gomez thinking? What was he thinking? He was doing his own thing, mate. He was doing his own thing. Oh, I'm just going to kick him in the back of the leg. And everyone's like, well, that's a penalty. <laughs> and he's like, what? A penalty? Never. Yeah, and no. obviously they benched Pickford, which we spoke about. Yeah, and they put Olsen in, who was at Roma last season, and he didn't have a bad game either. I can't be over, too critical of him. You can't you can't expect him to save a deflected looping cross, which goes over and Callum Wilson taps in when he's nowhere near the ball. And you know, asking any goalkeeper in the Premier League to save a penalty is a tough ask, anyway. So I'm not going to sure. criticise him. It's the defensive line in front of him and the midfield line. But is it, maybe this is what we're seeing. So, you know, we were saying at the beginning of the season how everyone's just attacking. Mm. And that's where Everton were rising. That's when Leeds were rising. And they both look really strong. But now that teams are learning how to go against that and the defensive lines are strengthening, is that why these teams are now starting to struggle? Was that Everton's game plan? This this all-out attack and now it's kind of derailed a little bit and they're falling behind? The same with Leeds because Leeds, again, didn't have the attacking influence. They were being boxed out. And obviously they still haven't got their defence sorted. Is this kind of what we're seeing now? Is that ability to score is being, um, I can't even think of the word right now. Stifled. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think defences are tightening up, apart from United's and Everton's, apparently. <laughs> it, it's t- Everton were, were an unknown quantity coming into the season, right? Because, sure. one, they strengthened fantastically when it came to their attacking line. And two, Ancelotti had finally had a chance to go, right, I've spent money. This is the team that I think can win the Premier League or at least put a challenge in. And I think people struggled to adapt to it the first couple of games. I think they got very lucky that Liverpool didn't beat them. 
the reality is they're still in the title race 100 percent at this point in time all they have to do is beat us on the weekend no problem they'll roll us over easily done well i say that but they're both on bad form both teams need a win so again it probably reeks of a draw to me however Everton just need that bounce back win and they're probably they'll be back on the rails the train will start chugging along again but at the moment they can't find it that's their real problem in my yeah. opinion you know and Dominic Calvert-Lewin looks class obviously they're missing Richarlison I think maybe it's one more game no actually I think Richarlison no it is one more game one more game and Richarlison's back maybe he's vital to their shape and their attacking line when we talk about off the ball runs and like players like Jamie Vardy creating space Richarlison does that you know he's a threat and Calvert-Lewin's a threat whereas when you're playing with Alex Awobi no offence Alex but not really a threat is he come on Mel. right yeah I can't believe Arsenal convinced them that he's worth £40 million. That's absolutely a joke to me. But some, someone's always out there to, to buy your trash, whether you want it or not. If you can sell it, you can sell it, man. That's what I bought on eBay. Alex Awobi. Yeah, so listen, Newcastle were worthy winners. And Newcastle won these teams that are tough to call this season. Yeah. We beat just... them 4-1. Ken Darlow is obviously great between the sticks, and he showed it again the other day. Apart from, you know, he should have saved Calvert-Lewin's, really. Yeah, he's right next to him, but... Yeah, but he's beaten, it's too close. That reaction takes Listen, a lot. when United played that man, he saved some shots that definitely should have gone in. He is True. capable of the yeah, impossible on his sure. day. And I think he's a decent goalkeeper. But New- Newcastle looked good. Yeah. How did St. Maximum miss when he went through at the start, by I the way? I was like, no what? Again, he looks really good. It's Luke. so good, but clear through on goal. Good save from Olsen, but yeah, for sure. I was like, well, it's 1-0. Come on, yeah, straight out of the box. Got to be done. But, you know, good for Newcastle. Uh, Steve Bruce marches on, and, you know, I, I can't be overly critical of him because he allowed us to beat him. I, I, st- I still think that was a favour for his old mate, Ollie. Still big, just a little one in the back. Don't worry, uh, you, I know you're in a little bit of turmoil, uh, Ollie, so I'll, um, I'll sort you out, mate, don't worry. Indeed. Well, let's, speaking uh, of Ollie, uh, we're not. We're going to bleed the stone a little bit more and wait for your pain because Fulham. I just need to put to point uh, out Aina's yeah. goal. Phenomenal. Aina's goal was absolutely class. Absolutely caught that ball and it flew. Yeah, it was a good goal. And do you know what? Fair play to Fulham. They needed the points. They, they desperately, desperately needed them. They, they showed yeah. up and did what they could. They played well. I think West Brom were a little bit wasteful with the opportunity that, yeah. that they had. I can't believe Fulham didn't score right at the at the death again when oh. it was when they when they beat the keeper and it was the defender on the line. You could, oh, I was like, no, surely you haven't missed from there. But oh. Mitrovic showed his class. You know that yeah. that that headed assist was absolutely that's Harry Kane esque. Some would Indeed. say. Um, but, you know, Fulham play, played well. We, we knew it was a relegation six-pointer, and that's what it turned out to be. And, you know, the cottage was rocking, and they deserved their three points. And, frankly, I have very little say to, uh, else to say about it because it's time to talk about Manchester United. All right, come on. We've, we've <laughs> let it for as long as possible. We've dragged it out. Go on. Uh, really bad performance against Arsenal. Yeah, look, from my point this was the one game I needed to watch because I knew the amount of discussion that would go into this. So I put it off and I put it off. I was like, it's got to be a boring game. And was it a boring game? My yes. God. It was really boring. 
I said to you, I think on this podcast a couple of weeks ago, I said the streak will end. Arsenal will eventually beat a top six size uh, away from home. Yep. And lo and behold, the facts. this was the one. Um, very easy to blame Paul Pogba for the result. And I can see why a lot of people are trying to do it. But, but again, I mean, talk about selling it. Jeez, did he go to ground? Yeah, I know, but it was. It was a penalty. It was. It was I give you, yeah, it is a penalty. But again, as we were saying, about the amount of people selling it these days. Mm. I, I can be objective about it. It was frustrating. Thomas Partey looks like a really good buy for Arsenal. He dominated the midfield. And I think, again, United suffered from the complacency that comes with them being the, the favourites in the scenario. The, the Leipzig victory while it felt great at the time, probably didn't help because what it did was galvanise Arteta to go, right, well, United think we're going to come and defend and break, but actually we're going to press them and suffocate them. And they did suffocate us and we struggled to get the ball out and we struggled to pass. I briefly spoke about nepotism last uh, earlier with um, Mourinho and Kane. I don't know what Scott McTominay has with Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and how he keeps convincing him he should play, but it's outrageous to me. The, the boy cannot pass a ball. Yes, he offers rotation and physicality and heart, but what he lacks for, what he lacks in natural football ability, he doesn't make up for in conviction and heart. It, just, it, it doesn't balance out. Yeah. I think, again, Oli suffers from getting team selection wrong, getting the shape wrong, tinkering things, changing his defensive centre back line. It's just, if you rotate players too much, what that causes is inconsistency and no team cohesion. And I think the team lacked team cohesion because he was like, Pogba, fuck, just terrible. Can't turn up in yeah. big games. I think Pogba's got to be sold. That, that's, that's my genuine, genuine feeling about it because yeah. I think, you know, he's obviously got the ability and I'm not saying he doesn't have the ability. He clearly does. However, he's been here long enough to show us he can find some consistency. And he can't do it. He just can't do it. He makes, that's the second horrendous penalty he's given away. One was against you guys, where he needlessly mm. went in. And the other one was this in this game. And this one cost us the game. Because if not, I think it probably would have been nil-nil. Yeah. I mean, other than your chance late at the end, wasn't it? I mean, yeah, that, there wasn't yeah. much going on. I think you, the only good link-up I saw was the Rashford-Greenwood chance. Yeah, yeah. There was no cohesion, and I don't think there was really any cohesion from Arsenal. Again, they were just very lackluster. Well, I think in the first half, Arsenal had a fantastic first half, right? They clipped the bar, they had a lot of yeah. uh, clear cup opportunities. Uh, Saka missed uh, a header from directly, directly in the box. Indeed. That's absolutely fine. But, you know, when David De Gea doesn't have a track record of saving penalties, so when a penalty was awarded, I was like, right, that's it. We've, we've, we've lost. And I, and I turned my partner at the time and I said, we have definitely lost this game now yeah. because. We're not getting back into it. United always play best when they score first. Right? We saw that tonight when we played Istanbul. And then we saw it on the weekend. I think I think the Oli... I said at the start, and I stand by it, I am now Oli out. And it's not because I don't love Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. I don't want him to succeed. I think he's just too tactically naive sometimes. And sometimes I think he gets his tactics bang on, like he did against PSG and Leipzig. However... Like tonight, for example, he's brought off Donny van der Beek in the 65th minute when Donny van der Beek's the best player on the pitch. And by, by that, yeah, I mean yeah. he's the one that's causing Istanbul problems. And he's brought Pogba on. He's rotated Bruno Fernandes to the wing where 
he doesn't have the pace to play or the natural ability to play. He started Juan Mata, and Juan Mata was culpable for one of the goals. You know, it's is he is he just looking for that thing that's just going to make everything fall into place? Is he looking for that perfect Tetris move that just finishes it? Because that's what it sounds like. He's like moving a player here, trying someone over here, like as if he's looking for everything to come together rather than just believing in something and pushing it forwards and letting it like sculpt itself. Really, I think it's a balancing act being a manager, at least that's what I would assume it is from the outside looking in. I think that you should always tinker occasionally, but never tinker constantly. And the problem is, Ollie is tinkering constantly. Probably due to pressure from criticism of playing certain players and not, whatever it may be. But every week he's making changes. How can you find some rhythm, some cohesion, some team chemistry, if you're constantly changing a cog here, a cog there, because the machine is ultimately never a hundred percent the same as it was last week. You know, front two, Cavani, Martial. Listen, there's agendas in football, and a lot of people have agendas. Like, for example, certain people would call Bruno Fernandez, Bruno Fernandez, and call him a stad patter. Some people would call Pogba overhyped, and it's his fault because he doesn't he uh, doesn't offer anything defensively. You know, Graham Souness would be all over that like a fly on shit. <laughs> Some people would say that Martial isn't a natural number nine. And in fact, he's probably a left winger who can do a job at number nine, but we should be having more traditional number nine like Cavani. People have agendas in football. You know, Some people, especially Man United legends and fans, will always prefer homegrown talent to international talent, whatever it may be. This is not an agenda. Martial has been woeful of this start of the season. I know he scored tonight, and it was a good finish. I'm not saying it wasn't. But what I'm saying is, he looks so demoralised by the fact that he hasn't been able to score in the Premier League that it's affecting his game. His passing is so bad sometimes, it makes me want to smash my face through a car windscreen. And, you know, that can be said for a lot of the Man United players at the moment. Bruno Fernandes was particularly awful tonight, and I'm a huge Bruno Fernandes fan and have a Bruno Fernandes top. Rashford was quiet again tonight. United just can't find the consistency, and that's the problem. And now it's not becoming win one, lose one, win one, lose one. It's becoming lose one, lose one, lose one. So when you start to get into that rhythm, and look, if Levy can sack Poch after going to the Champions League final and struggling after the first seven games of the season, then believe me, Oli is on his last yeah. breath. I, I promise you. So and is, I, and I, um, is Poch the sub in? Is that what you're favouring? Are you? Yes. Yeah, you're Ian, it? did you miss his elevator pitch on Monday Night Football? I am ready. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready. Oh, okay. See? I'm ready. Yeah, yeah, I know. Exactly. He was like, here's my tactical analysis. Here I am, a suave-looking motherfucker in a suit. Everyone loves me. Everyone objectively and neutrally rates me as a manager. Dude. I'm ready to come back to football. I also don't want to leave the UK because that's why obviously I'm still here because my family's come over here and I've been here for a very long time. Don't want to take my kids out of school. Like a, so it's like I'm just waiting for the first Premier League job yeah. that becomes available at a top six club. And that's probably going to be Manchester United. So I am ready. Indeed. Edward Wood. Hire me. Sack Ollie. I'm ready to come in because yeah. one, I know how to work under a low budget because I've been under the frugal Levy, at least when he used to be frugal. And... Southampton, I Indeed. get the best out of youth players and I build team cohesion. Look, I'm sorry, it's he ticks a, a lot of boxes. Sell. It's a great sell. Like, I, I don't know why you wouldn't. I was briefly, very briefly speaking about this to my partner when 
United lost then. And I said, look, I am Ollie out now. And she's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. I don't really know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> but she was asking me, she was like, what? So you, you think he should be fired? And I said, yes, I think he should be fired because not because I, I want him to do well. And I said this yeah. to someone. However, if there is a, some would call him world-class and, and most people would call him quality. If that manager is available in the market, I'm sorry. If you've got a, some, a, a guy that's lost, sure. hasn't won at Old Trafford this season, hasn't won at Old Trafford in six games, has won two, lost three, and your expectation is that you should always be challenging and you're probably objectively on a marketing standpoint, the biggest club in England and maybe even the world, you've got to go and get the quality manager. You know, and it's tough, but if I was if I was the United board, I would say to um, Ollie, I'd say, listen, do you want to be a director of football? Yeah. You want to be a director of football and let Poch take over? He probably won't do it, but I, I would do that because we just need a little bit of class right now. And while Ollie has shown glimpses of it, and I think he has the potential to be a good manager, I, I really think he's on tender hooks right now because. And a lot of people say, no, he's definitely got till December. I'm sorry. I think if he loses to Everton, that is an unacceptable start to the Look, season and he's got to go. Know, yeah, we all know that December's the turning point, isn't it? You know, the, the Christmas games, the Boxing Day games, like they're big games. No matter what, whoever you're playing, that's the points you need to pick up. So, yeah, if he doesn't start picking up points by the end of this month, I think he'll be out and you'll have most likely Poch or someone else in place. To sort I, it out I was thinking actually about the logistics of a managerial move in COVID. Right now, right. in the off season, it's fine because there's like a two week incubation or whatever. Do you think Poch at the moment is probably isolating or at least following isolating procedures? Because if he has to imminently move to United, if that does happen, right, we can't have a, a, a situation where like, well, the manager can't be there for two weeks. He has to be at the games. Sure, yeah. So I, I would I guess, just I'd be interested to know the logistics. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. If you if you already know he's starting to isolate, then you know it's on the cards. He's so. having a test every two days. He's like, yeah, I'm he's ready. My body is ready. <laughs> Look, it's it's hard. It's really it's been a very tough start to the season for Man United. Indeed. Um, and Man United fans, and I, I I I feel for every single one of us, and I know that everyone is loving it, but there's plenty of Man United fans who are hating it right now. And, you know, it, when, when your football club's your religion, like mine is almost, yeah. well, it definitely is. 100% it is. It, 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 it's tough when they lose so regularly. And I know there are other teams out there that are used to that, but when you've had a years and years and years of being at the top of the pile, to suddenly mm. be at the bottom, it, it is tough to swallow. And it, and it hurts. And, you know, you just want to see these players do well. And it, I just don't think they're playing Frolly anymore. I just, when I watch them play, I just think, I don't know, demotivated, lethargic. But then maybe it's an attitude problem with the players. But you can't get rid of every bad, you can't, if they're all bad eggs, you can't get rid of them all, right? Yeah. But I mean, you know, even if you do, even if, you know, Postino saying, I'm ready, and you start those conversations, you use the substitution effect. You have the sub warming up on the bench and players play better because they're like, I'm not coming off this pitch. I need to show myself. So if you've got a potential new manager coming in, hopefully the player's going to start picking up their game because they don't want to be benched. Mm. And hopefully Solskjaer begins to pick up his game. Like, If these talks are happening, hopefully that's going to motivate you guys to play better, do better. And then if lo and behold, you do get Poch in or you do get a new manager in, then that's the way it's going to be. But hopefully... 
with this circulation, it doesn't push your team down. Instead, it will elevate them and want them to prove that they deserve a place within this league and deserve a place within that team. We will see. Fingers crossed, eh? Right, okay. So that, that's our uh, recap of the football this week. Um, in terms of the Premier League, there was lots to talk about. As, as you can see, I think we've been speaking about the Premier League for an over a, an hour now. Drama. Always, do. always, always drama. Lots of drama in the Premier League this season so far. No, no run of the mill results. I'll brief, we'll briefly touch on, on Champions League results. Now, at the moment, Leipzig and PSG are drawing, which is now a good result that for Manchester United. <laughs> right? We will see. 40 I'm minutes to go. Fingers crossed, please. At least give us some bloody breathing space. Uh, Juventus are winning their game. Barcelona are beating Dynamo Kiev 1 0. Uh, Dortmund are beating Club Bruges 3-0 Zenit and Lazio drew 1-1 earlier today Sevilla are losing to Krasnodar 2-1 and Sevilla have had a player sent off which is a bit of a shock result Indeed. Uh, Chelsea are winning 3-0 against uh, Rennes uh, two penalties for Timo Werner and one goal from Tammy Abraham so Tammy Abraham must be absolutely chuffed about that in terms of yesterday's results in the Champions League, any of them that were particularly shocking? Not really. I mean, Atletico Madrid look very rubbish, yeah, don't they? I know what's going on there. 1-1. They bought Suarez. They don't look like they have the impetus to score. I bet Yao Felix is regretting going there. I can't believe they paid £110 million for him anyway. Oh, well, I can because he's it's a quality, true. talented young player. Yeah. What I mean is that he went there. <laughs> now, Bayern... Easy as it does it. Real Madrid finally found their form oh, yesterday. Why is finally that beat Inter Milan. Inter, it's, I think Conte. Surely it's too late, right? No, it's only halfway through the group stage. Anything's possible at this yeah, point. True. Now, Conte could be in trouble with Inter. And there is this possible factor of Inter sacking Conte and Pochettino going there instead. So I hope that doesn't happen. True. Just keep waiting in the wings for us, Pochettino. <laughs> well, well, we'll take it as it comes. Just hold out. Just hold out. Gladbach are terrible in the Bundesliga, but are flying in the uh, flying in Champions League. Six 0 against Sheffield Clear agenda there. Clear agenda. Get a trophy. You know why are Gladbach winning the Champions League? Porto three 0 City three 0 Finally, Liverpool five 0 Bastards. Yeah, mad one. Uh, Ajax, a uh, special shout out to Ajax. Ajax have 11 players that have COVID. 11. Insane. Right? They, ha- they are depleted by 11 squad members and they still won 2-1 away from home at Midiad yesterday. Uh, irrelevant, doesn't matter. 11 yeah. players is a lot to be depleted. Squad, that is squad depth. That's knowing that you can go out there and still play. That's impressive. So, pretty much run of the mill. I feel bad for Atalanta. I can't believe they lost 5 nil to Liverpool because I rate Atalanta and they gave City a yeah. good go in the, in the knockout stages last season, but I guess it wasn't meant to be. Now, oh, this week's Miyagi it. <laughs> Race showcase. Wilson! Tom Hanks would be proud. So, Callum Wilson. There were only two braces scored this weekend and I was getting a little bit jittery on Saturday night because I was like, what if no one fucking scores a brace? <laughs> right? Thankfully... Hey, what are we doing in that situation? What are we uh, doing? I was thinking that we could maybe defer to something along the lines of a, uh, if anyone was to get a, a, a brace of assists. Okay. Right, so we could go... Ooh. And if not, we'll just have to call it something like no brace, egg on our face. That sort of stuff. <laughs> 
you know, I'm all, I'm already thinking of rhyming couplets and uh, contingency plans yet. So okay, okay. we'll see. But anyway, Callum Wilson. Callum Wilson again, not well. I, he's much better than Patrick Bamford in terms of uh, ability and maybe profile. But again, I would say he's probably a run-of-the-mill Premier League striker for the club that he's at. Yeah. But he's more akin to Jamie Vardy, not in terms of ability, because I would rate Jamie Vardy as probably an elite striker, and I would rate Callum Wilson as a good striker. Mm. But he followed the same sort of journey. So it's funny how things work out, isn't it? Because if you look at trajectories and, and, and sort of pro- uh, career uh, progression, you've got Vardy, who was obviously criminally missed by youth academies, went to a National League uh, set-up, was, became the most expensive National League player ever to be sold, hopped straight from there to the Championship and the Premier League and has won the Premier League Golden Boot. Then you've got Callum Wilson, who followed the traditional format, I guess, joined Coventry, Youth Academy, loans, uh, Premier League success or Championship Premier League success. And then you've got Bamford, who's obviously straight in at Championship youth level, struggled to adapt to the Premier League, had to find the right setup. Do you see what I mean? Like it's it's almost yeah. it's almost ironic that the player who has the least ability had the easier going. For sure. Do you see what I mean? Whereas the players that had the 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 better natural ability had to go to the national league, struggle, go up, grind it, and really earn their way there. Whereas sort of Bamford, no offense, Patrick, went straight in at Championship level and has already always been bouncing back and forth between the two. But I think that's always the thing, isn't it? Is like, it's that consistency and that reliability, and I think that's what you get at those uh, sort of more younger levels or earlier stages of a career. Is you're looking for that player who just turns up every week, week in, week out, and just does the job. Whereas you know, when someone has that natural talent, there's a fluctuation in it because it's a it's a kind of creativity. It's like some weeks it's there, some weeks it's not, and I think you don't want that at the lower levels, do you? So maybe that's why they got the somewhat easier ride should we say look sometimes people just miss out uh, or people get people develop later or they, they don't show it uh, on command like some people want and maybe bamford was someone that could deliver on the phone that's not that's not to take anything away from mm-hmm. him i just i think it's the bittersweet irony of football that sort of the, the most talented had to really graft for it whereas the you know, in some would objectively say the least talented striker was almost given given a free pass to at least a championship paycheck. That that that's sort of what I meant. Gotcha. Um, now, Callum Wilson, he is currently twenty eight years old. He's going to be twenty nine in February, so he's right in the peak mm. of his career. Just in case you uh, needed to know, listeners, the reason we're doing a brace showcase on Callum Wilson this week is because he scored a brace against Newcastle. Uh, not against Newcastle, against Everton. Four a new- brace of own goals. <laughs> a brace of own goals. What a hero. Who was the last player to do that? I think it was Emmanuel Abue for Arsenal. Oh, I think really? He subbed on, scored two own goals and immediately subbed off by Wenger. <laughs> what, a, what a performance. I know. Oh. What a hero. Oh, that's, that's absolutely demoralising. So, Callum Wilson plays striker. He was born in Coventry in the Midlands, and that's why I put Midlands, mad lad. And he's of Jamaican descent. He attended President Kennedy School in Coventry, if anyone would like to know, or if anyone knows him. Um, So, local lad joined local youth academy. So, he joined Coventry City's youth academy. He 
started there from 2009 at the Youth Academy, which would have made him was that 11 years ago. Oh, it's quite late. Mm-hmm. That's very late. No, it must be later than that. Anyway, Coventry Youth Academy, while he was there, struggled to break into the first team, as many kids do, I guess, at youth level. So he went out on loan, very much like Jamie Vardy, to uh, Kettering Town and Tamworth, who are both much lower down in terms of the footballing pyramid. While he was there, his first loan was much more successful than his second loan. So at Kettering Town, he made 17 appearances and scored one goal. And then when he went to Tamworth, he made three appearances and scored one goal. Uh, okay. Now, three appearances looks more damning than it is because he joined them at the start of the season and actually in the first two months, he had a very bad injury oh. and, and had to go back. Now, I wonder what the coverage was that, like that at national level. Probably not. They're probably like, there's nothing we can do for you. <laughs> go yeah. go yeah. back to your, your much higher up the league club because they'll sort you out. After... Two seasons online, he'd shown enough promise that at the start of the 2013-2014 season, he was able to establish himself into the Coventry starting lineup. I think they were in League One at the time. Now, he formed a famous Coventry partnership with Leon Clark. And after just 11 games, Wilson had scored 10 goals and was at the top of the League One scoring charts. So, very good debut season. I think then he would have been probably about... Seven years ago, he'd been about 21. Yeah. Right, so firing at all cylinders from a young age. And then he finished that season as the League One's third top goal scorer of 22 goals in his first season and earned himself in the player of the year for that league. Impressive. And he'd been out for two months injured that season as well. That's impressive, man. That's good going. That's very, very good going. Now, all it took was one season for a, for a championship side to go, hang on. Who's that fella? Who's that fella in League One? Now, narratively-wise, he was affordable. He was young. He was talented. He was fast. So, I've put here, born to be a cherry. Yeah? And then I actually went, I prefer cherry bombs. I wrote that underneath. <laughs> so, I put, I put them both in there. But, yeah. almost... Choose. Bournemouth were on the their ascent. Now, obviously, we know that, sadly, Bournemouth have now descended back into the championship. It happens. But do you know what? Honourable mention for Bournemouth. They mm. did a tremendous job to stay in there the Premier go. League with the yeah. limited resources and scale of stadium they had for so long. And Eddie Howe, again, for me, criminally underrated manager and very unlucky that that Sheffield United own goal that um, disallowed goal or not disallowed yeah. goal is what cost them. But I think, you know, you'd, you'd feel that mentally for a very long time. But we're looking at Bournemouth in the past. And this is where Howe was on the ascendancy. And Howe had taken them to three back-to-back promotions. So he'd been with them for one. Uh, this is the on the tail end of their first promotion out of League One up to the championship, right? So on, on July 4th, 2014, Wilson signed for an undisclosed fee. Most people believe it to be around £3 million after spending five years at Coventry. After that, he made his debut in the Championship, because that's where he came into the Bournemouth setup against uh, Huddersfield Town, and he scored a brace. Fitting, eh? Indeed. So, in, their, in his first season in the club, 
Wilson helped them achieve promotion to the Premier League for the first time in the club's history, becoming the team's top goal scorer for that season, going straight from 22 goals in League One to 20 goals in the Championship. After that point, in three seasons, in three back-to-back seasons, in a perfect parallel to Bournemouth, he'd gone from League One to Championship to Premier League striker. And while it wasn't a difficult time, and I think Wilson actually adjusted quite well, he scored his first Premier League goals with a hat-trick against West Ham. So <laughs> if there's a way to score your first Premier League, uh, Premier League goals, that's the bloody way to do it. Oh. Now, unfortunately, first season in the Premier League, August 2015, he's flying, scored a hat-trick. September 2015, ruptured the interior cruciate, uh, cruciate ligament in his right knee and was out for six months. Wilson made his return nearly a year later in Bournemouth's 2-1 away win to Villa. And then he went on in the following year to do the same injury and be out for another six months. So fortunately, Wilson has always suffered from injury problems. And and lots of strikers do and lots of players do, especially players that are overplayed when they're youth level and in their formative years in terms of their body as well. Objectively, good solid unit for Bournemouth. He was there, he was at Bournemouth for six seasons. He made 171 appearances and he scored 61 goals for the club. It's a good return. That's like I said, good striker, not elite striker, good striker, solid striker. Now, he has broken Premier League history, but he did it in tandem with another player. Ian, do you know who that player could be? Uh, I feel like that you're asking me. I should know. It's in the notes. You should definitely know it. Yeah, but I don't have the notes open in front of me. I, I record that. <laughs> I have the notes from... open in front of me. How dare you, son of a bitch? Now, spontaneity. I'm trying to keep it flowing. If we were <laughs> reading up a book, our listeners would hear and they'd switch off. Uh, the answer is no. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> That's very true. Well, listen, as as I alluded to earlier, especially with his uh, partnership with Leon Clark, Wilson is very good at creating rela- uh, relationships and partnerships with certain players in in the vein of like Dwight York and Andy Cole. He's very good in terms of link-up play. And Harry Kane and Hummins on. There you go, Ian. There's your little spontaneity for you. So, there w- he broke Premier League history with another player called Ryan Fraser. And this Premier League history was they combined for the most goals in a Premier League season. So, Ryan Fraser set up Callum Wilson 12 times in 2018-2019, which was the most it's ever done in a 38-game campaign of anyone. Yeah. You think of all the great players that have played together in that time. I mean, look, I'll give you a list here. Alan Shearer and Mike Newell uh, with 11. Dennis Bergkamp and Nicholas Anelka with 10. Uh, Kevin Gallon and Les Ferdinand with 11. Now, they are only the second in English football hi- history, but they are the most in Premier League history, Ryan Fraser and Callum Wilson. Before the Premier League became the Premier League, obviously we had 42 game seasons. And in that season, Alan Shearer and Chris Sutton did score one more goal together to, uh, collectively, yeah, gotcha. which makes them, in English football history the most, but in Premier League history, well done to Ryan and Callum. Because, one, to play for a club of that stature and that ability and that, again, low yeah. budget, to be able to create a little bit of Premier League history, that's fucking fantastic. I won't lie to you. Now, England... Unlike other people we spoke about, and more like Patrick Bamford, because Callum Wilson didn't or hasn't, or maybe will in the next year, who knows, played for a toxic club, 
he struggled to break into the England setup. He's always wanted to. He's had Jamaican ancestry, so he's he's eligible to play for the Jamaican national side, but has opted to play for England. He's made four appearances since 2018. And again, even though he was prolific in the Premier League between 24, uh, 2015 and 2018, it took him three years to break into the setup. He's made four appearances and scored one goal. And he only appeared once at England youth level. So I don't know if national football is something that motivates Wilson. I think obviously just playing football in general. And some, you know, some players gravitate more towards the domestic success than they do international success. That yeah. happens. But obviously he was incredible for Bournemouth. Now, unfortunately, as we may know Ian last season, and what we definitely do know, Bournemouth failed to beat the drop finally after... Five seasons in the Premier League, which is it's tough. Impressive five seasons. Really impressive five seasons. And unfortunately, and I will be critical of Callum Wilson here. I know this is a brace showcase, but he didn't do enough in their last season to keep them up. Mm-hmm. He was poor. However, because of the profile he created and the platform that he showcased himself on, no pun intended, he was able to get a £20 million transfer to Newcastle. Now, Newcastle were obviously desperate for a striker because they'd spent £40 million on Joe Linton. And let's just be absolutely real, Joe Linton's been awful for them. Yeah. So they needed someone who was a poacher. And I think fundamentally, that's what Wilson is. Wilson can score good goals, but he's always there for a tap-in. And the game against Everton highlighted that. You know, He's there. And even his debut goal for Newcastle was a tap-in on the line because that's what he's good at. He's there. Then you want that from a striker. You don't want 100%. the ball You want someone who's always going to be there, reliant and put it in. And like we were saying about sort of the Arsenal and sort of even the Man City game, they're constantly playing that ball across the box and there's no one there. You need a player like Wilson who's there 24-7, waiting just to toe-poke it in if need be. 100%. And he, he has that natural goal-scoring ability and positional awareness to it, like Harry Kane. And he what he has... Rashford lacks you know there are there are assets to individual strikers and you know if someone were like for example Ronaldo is the the epitome of hard work and graft and Messi is a natural footballer natural ability that's what Wilson is he's a natural striker and on his day he can be unplayable and he scores some good goals and he scored against some big teams as well now in his first seven games for Newcastle he scored six goals I don't think he can be too unhappy with that return. Oh, I, think, return. I think they'd probably be very happy with that as well. He can go missing in games. He's, you know, he's famous for being on the back of milk cartons at times. But ultimately, he 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 can Maybe score them when it counts. Reference. That's a dated reference. <laughs> Sorry, it's just the first thing that came to mind. However, there is a funny little anecdote here that is probably conjecture of my side. But during Bournemouth's fall from grace, Ryan Fraser also fell out of favour at Bournemouth, uh, mainly because he wanted to move to Arsenal the summer before and Eddie Howe wouldn't allow it. Now, that caused friction between him and Howe. Fraser got dropped and didn't play for six months before the end of the season, which probably added to the fact that they couldn't beat the drop. Now, obviously, we know about their famous partnership and dynamics. From the end of the season, Ryan Fraser was available on a free. He could go wherever he wanted, but he didn't. We heard nothing out of Ryan Fraser's camp. Coincidentally, the second, literally probably about five minutes after, Callum Wilson was like, I'm going to Newcastle. 
Brian Fraser signed a contract with Newcastle. So this is literally like where the teacher was like, uh, "Kids, you can now pair up." Yeah, and those two just locked eyes and were like, I think Fraser was waiting in the wings yeah, to I see where where Wilson goes because maybe great. yeah it is great and it and it shows you know a partnership and friendship that transcends football but also it probably what it highlights is that uh, Fraser was probably a little bit too big for his boots because he is he is a quality player and obviously he's scored sure. in big games against Liverpool and stuff like that and he is dangerous but yeah. he probably thought I'm going to walk out of. Bournemouth into a top six club. That's probably what he thought. And then a, a, a lot of them went, nah, we're all right. Thank you. And because of that, I think he probably was like, well, I need to go to a Premier League side, but maybe I don't want to go to Newcastle because they're so inconsistent and ropey in the last yeah. couple of years. So he probably was just waiting for his mate to go, listen, let's just fucking go together. And, I, and, and that's what he did. You know, if you're going, I'm going. That sort of yeah, lad mentality. Sure. And it's worked out. Callum Wilson has been able to break into the first team. Fraser is still struggling to do so. Although they did connect indirectly because obviously yeah. there was a deflection, but it would have been a Fraser to Wilson assist had... Yeah, it just isn't quite coming off at Newcastle, but hopefully in time that partnership will continue to flourish. Oh yeah, 100%. Now I'll briefly take you through his numbers by the season. His numbers by the season aren't great in the Premier League in terms of... Well, they're not poor, but you'd think when I talk about his numbers, his ability, that he'd have scored double digits in the Premier League more than once. But the, the truth is he hasn't. So in 133 appearances in the Premier League, he scored 47 goals and got 13 assists. I probably think you probably thought it was going to be higher than that, didn't you? Mm. Yeah, now, slightly. He's 29. He's been in the Premier League for five seasons and Rashford is one goal behind him. I checked this earlier. So, you know, obviously Rashford benefits from from playing from a top six club or whatever, but still, his numbers aren't that great. His first season was probably his best, objectively, and uh, or you know, an argument could be made for his fourth season as well. So, in the 2015 2016 season, Callum Wilson uh, made 13 appearances, four of them as a substitute, and scored five goals. It's a good return. Yeah, the following season, he made 20 appearances and scored six goals again. 2017. Keep in mind that two of these seasons he was injured as well, I suppose. Yeah, so uh, the following season, 2017 season, 28 goals, eight, uh, so, sorry, eight goals, 28 appearances. Not, you know, not bad, consistent at least. It's going up. Good. His best and most um, fruitful and prolific season was the 2019 season, 2018-2019 uh, season, where he made 30 appearances and scored 14 goals. Following season, he scored eight goals. Following season, he scored eight eight goals and that was the one that Bournemouth went down in and then this season he's already got six and seven appearances so again maybe Bournemouth. he's a benefactor of uh, you know set up maybe Bournemouth wasn't working out for him who knows he could get a he, he's quite injury prone he could get injured next week god forbid touch wood I hope he doesn't no but you know especially uh, uh, for my, especially for my fantasy team Wilson is oh really yeah, yeah. I, I saw I saw that you had him I was yeah, like yeah hey, that's ballsy play oh I've had Wilson in I think from that eighteen nineteen season, like because you just plug him in and he just trickles in points constantly, and that's kind yeah, of one of those players that you want. He gets assists as well. I will say yeah. he, does, he does occasionally get assists. He's definitely like when you've got your two marquee strikers, when you, they're like, "Oh, do you sure. want a third striker?" He's always a good option to have because he'll just nick a goal every now and then, won't he? But yeah, and he'll trickle those points in. Listen, good player. 
having a really good start at Newcastle. Hope his form continues. Mm. Um, every, there seems to be a couple of players that are really excelling this season in, in the, the pandemic-based footballing world. And you know, good for him. He's in the prime of his career. Hopefully he goes and bangs in double digits again because I'm sure that's an accolade or personal achievement that he wants to hit. And I, I hope Newcastle do well this season, but not better than Man United, as, as, uh, as I famously well, say. Unfortunately, they do have Southampton this weekend. So we'll oh, see. Oh, that is that. That is that. That's going to be a tough one. So it's time for the head to heads. Oh, I haven't looked at these. Oh, I haven't looked at these, so I don't know. Right. So, you know what? I think I'm listeners, point. This is it's, it's 5 1 to me. Anyone who cares, I'm winning 5 1. There's, I think it's just me and you who cares. There's 30 game weeks to go, or 31 game weeks to go, so it's all to play for. Um, I smashed Ian up again in the Fantasy League this week. Last week he got me, but this week I came back, bounced back, unlike Everton and Manchester United. So, Crystal Palace, Wolves, Ian. You went for 2 2. I went for 1 0 Wolves, so it's point four what? Yep. Sheffield United, Manchester City. What do you think you went for, Ian? Uh, like a thumping from Man City. Nah, you went two one, so you 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 weren't oh. far off. So it's a point for you, Ian. You got a point on the board this week. That's there we go. Whoa! <laughs> I also I went two nil City, so Ooh. that's two one to me at the moment. Burnley versus Chelsea. Ian, you went two nil Chelsea, so you're bloody oh. close. Did you price me right? It's two, no, I went 1-1, one, one, so it's 2-2. Two, two. Here we go, here we go. Yeah, this could be the weekend where you finally <laughs> bounce back. You need it. You need to break the snowball. I mean, viewers, prepare your ears if I win this. That's <laughs> all I'm going to say. Liverpool-West Ham. I went 3-2 West Ham. Oh. And you went 2-2. Two, two. Oh, come on. I know. Now, Villa-Southampton... Neither of us backed Southampton. No, I backed Villa for sure. You backed Villa 3-1. Um, I backed a draw, and I was wrong again. So that still leaves us at 2-2. Newcastle-Everton. I You went 2-0. To Everton, though. To Everton, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Slow roll, you like that. I went 3-1 Everton. So... I'm also egg on my face. Manchester United, Arsenal. Ian, you went 1-0. To Arsenal? Man United. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I know, it's such a cruel world. I went 2-1 United. Now, Ian. What was the the score in the Brighton Spurs game? (laughs) 2-1. Yeah, you went (laughs) 2-0. Oh, I hate you, man. I'm, but guess who went 2-1? Oh, get a room. Yes! Come on, what a result. 5-2. Two. 2-1. Two, Let's fucking right. go. Over. I just quit. Fulham West Brom. I went 2-1 and was wrong. You went 2-0. The wrong way around. West Brom. <laughs> I know the scores, I just don't know the teams. Come on. Now, Ian, you did go 3-2 Leicester, so you pick up a point. Oh-hoo. And I went 1-1. One, one. 
but the final score is 5-3, which means it's 6-1 to H-Bomb again. What a surprise. One week. I will pull this out of the bag. I promise. Don't lie. Don't, don't sell the viewers' dreams. It's gone. I'm on cruise control now. I'm Liverpool. I'm, I'm, it's, it's time for the Premier League title for me. That's fine. I'll, I'll go on the bumpy road. I don't need the cruise control. I'll figure it out. I'll battle my way through. Not possibly. Probably not, but optimism, people. That's what we need in these times. Optimism. Oh, my God. Leipzig are beating PSG. And what no! I just <laughs> optimism. You can bring this back. You can do this. Bastards. On a bright note, it looks like I'm going to win my bet. Because Sevilla right. ain't winning 3-2. Right, so. This coming game weekend. weekend. Yeah, let me just grab the old... Uh, fixtures list so it is Brighton and Burnley Brighton Burnley right Ian you can go first since you lost some Friday night lights action uh Brighton Burnley why do they mm. put shit games on Friday night I'm sorry they always do it's it really annoys me as if Monday night's more optimum for quality of football yeah I don't know I, just, I don't get that so, I, sorry, I get, sorry, Brian and Burnley fans. I, yeah. Come on. When was the last time we saw a top six, uh, top six club on Friday on Friday night football? Well, surely, surely it's just uh, because of you know English culture. Everyone goes drinking on a Friday, so you don't put the football on. We're in lockdown. <laughs> Fucking sort the schedule out, right? We're bored. Um, anyway, Brighton Burnley uh, two 0 Brighton. Two 0 Brighton. Hmm. I'm going to go two two. I think it's going to be a tough game. For sure. Brighton, on their day, Brighton play like they should have more points than they do. They are oh, they yeah. really, I rate them so highly, especially, especially Lamptey's quality. And I just think, you know, I think you you play so well and that's all the points you have. It's, it just blows my mind. Southampton, Newcastle. Southampton going to smack Newcastle up it. Although we didn't mention it, but Danny Ings is actually injured. Yeah. So will that, could be will that be a deciding well. factor though? Oh, I yeah. don't know. Um, I think Ings is integral to their attacking line. I think. Yeah, but I still think Southampton. Yeah, but Southampton know how to play as a team as well. I don't think they're going to let that bring them down in any shape or form. Yeah, I suppose. I just, I did think, I did think. Oh, he's injured. It's a little bit. So maybe the goals won't be as high. Um, yeah. I'm going to go two 0 Southampton. What do you want to go? Three one Southampton. Three. Okay. Everton, Manchester United. Fuck me. Fuck me sideways. I'm going to go 1 all. Oh, God. 1 uh, 1. I'm going to go 2 0, Man United. I have to back United even when I don't think yeah, they're going to yeah, win. Yeah, it's fair. It's fair. All I'm hoping is that gets me points. That's all I'm hoping. Mate, the dream is dead. <laughs> I've smashed you up. They're calling the fucking police and beating you up so hard. <laughs> right. Crystal Palace Leeds. Ooh. Toughy. Yeah. That is a tough game. Yeah. I will go 2 1 Leeds. I'm going to go 2 0 Leeds. 2 Leeds. All right, Foresight, calm down. Mate, you know I'm going to be completely wrong. I should have just gone with your score. You haven't backed United this week, and usually that's a trend that United win. So, oh, is that what you're hoping? <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. 
Right, Chelsea versus Sheffield United. Listen, uh, on Chelsea's current form, they should smash them up. In my they opinion. should, but are they going to play? So I'm going to mm, two nil Chelsea. Two nil Chelsea. I'm going to go three one Chelsea. West Ham Fulham. Now see, this is the first time. Yeah, I would say on paper that West Ham definitely should win this game. And because of that, they'll probably lose or draw. Yeah. Um, 2-2? With West Ham taking the lead. Nah, I'm going 3-0 West Ham. It's backing them big time. I'm backing them. They've proven to me that they're, they're worth consideration at all times oh, this season. They're, 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 they've got conviction, they've got heart, they've got grip. It's, it's, it's enough for me. West Brom... Versus Tottenham, Ian. You should so, smash these boys up. There is no. No, 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 no! Don't say that. Don't say that because we know you, how that works. Should smash <laughs> these boys up. They are not good. We should, but will we? Is the question. The real question is: Will this be Harry Kane's 150th goal? Probably, I would say. Probably. Yeah, he's got a. If not, he'll get a couple of assists, and we'll work towards that goal of 50 assists this season. I'm going, five, uh, I'm going five on Spurs. Ooh. Okay. I'm going to go um, three nil Spurs. You should not lose this game. I, I'm, you I'm should not. 100%. What is going to happen? But look at how they play against Fulham. They're so vulnerable on, on, on the break. They're not even, they can't even cope with a press. They had a first good couple of games of the season where you've come up, you've got a lot of heart. Yeah, we're a Premier League team. But they've readjusted. They've realised we're fucking shite. So you should absolutely hammer these guys. They're, they're going what down. Westbrook are going down. Anyone who like, needs points desperately needs to look at their fixtures list and go, when the fuck are we playing Fulham? And when the fuck are we playing West Brom? Because both of them are so such low-hanging fruit, you can literally <laughs> suckle on the teeth of it. Sorry, listeners, for those sound effects. Yeah, sorry like that. about that. Deserves an apology. Part-time Foley artist here. <laughs> um, <laughs> Leicester Wolves, tough. Really Leicester tough game. Uh, 3-2 Leicester. Leicester at home, I'm back in Wolves. Oh, okay. I believe, I believe in the curse. <laughs> I'm going two one Wolves. I can, I can be avant garde with my predictions. <laughs> I, 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 just throw it out there, do what you like. I just, I, oh, I feel a little bit salt in there, a little bit of pepper. Ooh, oh, you know, mate, some sweet chili sauce in there. Mm, now, Manchester City, Liverpool. Oh, come on. It's going to be the most boring game of the week, isn't it? Draw. 100% yeah, it's a draw. Easy. Uh, one all draw? 1-1 one, one is what you're going for, yeah? yeah. Uh, I'm going to go 2-2. Two, two. Uh, you're hoping there's goals as well. We're not getting a ball ball. I fucking hope not. No ball draws, please. Now, last game of the weekend is Arsenal versus Aston Villa. Come on, Villa. Come on. I think Villa could win this game. I think I, they could. I think, they I could think Villa it. could. Uh, Villa... Willa? Willa could. I think Willa definitely could. <laughs> Villa Willa could. Uh, I'm going to go 2-1 Villa. You think Arsenal can score? Yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> I felt it. <laughs> yeah, if they, if they get it from the penalty spot, they can do yeah. that. Go on. 2-0 uh, Villa. 
2-0 Villa. Or we're both yeah. back in Villa, which means Arsenal would definitely win. Right. Sorry, that's, our, that's our head-to-head predictions done. Thank you, listeners. It's been a painful but exciting week of football for some of you. For me, it's been a horrendous week of football, which I wish to delete from my brain. Uh, we appreciate every single one of you. Thank you for listening. Uh, I hope you're entertained. We are waiting on the results right now, randomly, of the presidential election. It's a very tight race. It's nearly as exciting as the Premier League. I can't believe it's going on so long. But it's been a monumental week in terms of uh, politics, in terms of football. So I know we're all going into lockdown. So if anyone happens to accidentally pass by this podcast, it's feeling a little bit down, welcome into the fold. We love you. We're here. Let us hold you. And until next week, listeners, much love and peace. Peace.